Let's turn in God's Word to Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 4. We will read the whole chapter, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and verses 1 through 16. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. These are the words of the living and true God. So let's give our attention to Him who speaks on high. So I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold, the tears of such as were oppressed, and they had no comforter. And on the side of their oppressors there was power, but they had no comforter. Wherefore I praise the dead, which are already dead more than the living which are yet alive. Yea, better is he than both they, which hath not yet been, who hath not seen the evil work that is done under the sun. Again, I consider all travail and every right work, that for this a man is envied of his neighbor, this is also vanity and vexation of spirit. The fool foldeth his hands together and eateth his own flesh. Better is a handful with quietness than both the hands full of, with travail and vexation of spirit. But then I returned and I saw vanity under the sun. There is one alone, and there is not a second. Yea, he hath neither child nor brother, yet is there no end of all his labor. Neither is his eye satisfied with riches, neither saith he, For whom do I labor and bereave my soul of good? This is also vanity. Yea, it is a sore travail. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold, threefold cord is not quickly broken. Better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. For out of prison he cometh to reign, whereas also he that is born in his kingdom becometh poor. I considered all the living which walk under the sun with the second child that shall stand up in his stead. There is no end of all the people, even of all that have been before them. They also that come after shall not rejoice in Him. Surely this also is vanity and vexation of spirit. Those are God's words. We've been, again, hearing of the vanity, the worthlessness there is in this world and in everything. There is vanity. He says, before this, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Even the oppressed and the oppressor, through verse 3. The oppressed have no comforter, 
none on their side. And the complete, we see here, the complete discontentedness of the oppressed who would rather be dead because at least the dead are in a better place than having to be oppressed. And the oppressor, they also have no comforter. Then through verse 6, and the business of the world, and the vanity of doing the right thing, and the working, etc. Because the, he says here, the fool sits at home and can live in quietness, and the one living life is envied by their neighbor. And so what gain is there to work? And then through verse 8, what's the point of attaining an abundance of worldly wealth? Because those who have worldly wealth, they pursue such work and they work and they work and they work and are never satisfied with all their abundance and riches. It's worthlessness. It's vanity. And then through verse 12, the vanity of being alone. And of course, the benefit of relationships. We're reminded in Genesis, it's not good for a man to be alone. Loneliness, that's why we have the church as well and marriage. Uh, to uh, that shows that and and this truth, but it's vanity to be alone. And then through verse fourteen, the vanity of being rich and a prince or a king who doesn't listen, who's a fool compared to the one who's a poor child and yet wise. And then through the end of the chapter, there are those who have came before. You, right? And there are people who have generations who, have, who will come after, and yet people are never satisfied. And that's the vanity of this world. And as we are learning in Ecclesiastes, it is that all is vanity outside of faith and love for the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father and the Spirit. You go back even to the beginning of the chapter to the oppressed. What hope and comfort does one have outside of Christ? They have none. Because whether they're the oppressor or the oppressed, they have no comfort outside of Christ. Nothing but in union with Christ, full of lasting hope and comfort, even in the midst of oppression. In the midst of oppression, in the midst of suffering. We heard uh, last Lord's Day and this Lord's Day, even when we're suffering, there is great hope and comfort in union with Christ by faith in Him. And so you're called once again to turn in faith to Christ from your sins, not only to be saved, but to have comfort and hope and that all your life you would not be worthless and vain, uh, lived in great travail, or rather with great hope and satisfaction in the Lord. But if you refuse Him, all is vanity. Again, that's the message of this chapter, and that's the message of Ecclesiastes. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful once again for Your love for us. We're thankful that You have showed us Your love and manifested Your love in the person and the work of Your Son, Jesus Christ. And as we look and consider His life and death, 
Today, Father, we do, we must consider our own sin and how grievous our sin is, how wicked we are and have been even this past week and evil, gone into many evils. Father, we have made other gods before You. We have made gods of our family, of money or work, of this world. And we see that in how we respond to what's happening in the world or how we interact with our spouse or how we interact with co-workers or people that... Uh, customers or whoever, and we get angry. And uh, even making gods of ourselves when we are selfish and prideful. Father, we plead that You would forgive us of making other gods besides You. And You, the only God. And we have worshipped, made images, created images in our mind and thoughts, but also, Father, made images or tried to worship false gods, as we just spoke of, even ourselves. And Father, we, we have also taken Your name in vain. We have not honored Your Word as Your Word. We've treated Your Word like the Word of men. We have joked around about Your Word, or we have... lied about Your Word or misrepresented Your Word, taught wrongly Your Word, thought wrongly about Your Word. Father, forgive us of our sins of breaking the third commandment. Father, we've also broken the fourth commandment, the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. You call us to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy all the day, not just part of the day. And we look back and we have often broken this day and taken those worldly things which we ought to forsake on this day for our, our soul's sake and for your worship. And we've brought them into it and we've created burdens for ourselves. Burdening our own souls so that we're not benefiting from cons- uh, considering and meditating upon you and your word and worshiping You according to Your commandments, that we would not forsake the assembling together of ourselves. But we have. Even if we're here present physically, we have sometimes, oftentimes, forsaken ourselves being here. For we quickly leave after worship, and not fellowshipping with Your people. We often even aren't paying attention we're distracted easily. And yet, Father, we, we, we're thankful that You're a God who pardons all of our iniquities and our sins in Christ Your Son. As well, we've broken the, the other commandments. Fifth through the tenth the commandments, those sins against our neighbor where we have not loved our neighbor as ourself. We have dishonored our parents and authorities and inferiors and peers. We have murdered in our hearts, been hateful, angered. Wrath has come from our mouths and our souls. We have committed adultery against You 
and against our spouse. We've also lusted after men and women and and things, and so we've coveted the Tenth Commandment. We've also stolen from you. We've stolen from one another things or time, the precious time that you give us to honor you with our lives and how you place us here to be light in the darkness and proclaim the the good news of Jesus Christ to the weak and the wicked and the, the sinners of this world. And yet we have not done so. And yet that's why we are here, to glorify your name. And we have lied, bared false witness against our neighbor. We have gossiped. And in gossiping, we have spoken the truth and yet to the hurt of our neighbor. And we've slandered, we have spoken false things of our neighbor to their hurt. And Father, we pray that You would forgive us of all these sins that we have committed and the many more that we must consider and need to consider. We pray that You would reveal our sins to us. We ask as well as we have crucified the Son, Jesus Christ, because of our many sins, even the sins of believers, and yet we continue in sin. Father, forgive us of such blasphemy against You. And we're thankful that You are the God who pardons all of our sins and accepts us in Christ Your Son. We're thankful for though even though we have blasphemed Your name, even in the past few moments, Father, You are a gracious and merciful God in Christ Your Son. And all who come to Christ by faith, trusting in Him and turning from their sins, have life and are shown mercy and grace by Him. And Father, we pray that that would be true of each one of us here, even of our children, even of those in the womb, if it would be Your will, and to the oldest amongst us, all of us, that we would turn in faith to Christ Your Son, even today from our sins, even as we have previously believed. Lord, help our unbelief and sanctify Your people and sanctify Your bride with the truth. Your Word is truth. Father, we plead as well that You would bless the worship that we offer, that You would perfect it in Your Son, and it would be received by You as perfect worship, holy and pleasing to You, a pleasing aroma in Your nostrils, that You would grant to Your people much blessing today and strengthen Your people today, even in faith and by Your grace, even these means of grace, the Word, the sacraments and prayer. And may You turn us, turn us to love You always, to trust You always, to plead unto You always, to be unceasing in prayer. And Father, we pray for the wicked that we come in contact with, even this week, who don't know You, who've rebelled against You, even our family, uh, children, grandchildren who have rebelled against You. Father, we pray that we would be a light in the darkness, and You would grant the right words, Your words, to speak, 
As well, we pray that You would send Your Spirit forth before us and do Your great work in changing the heart and making the heart alive. Making it from stone, taking it from stone and make it flesh. And so soften the hearts of Your elect and give us hope and confidence to proclaim the glorious mysteries that have been revealed in Your Son and by Your Spirit. We pray for this congregation. We are a weak people. We are often joying, uh, rejoicing in the things of this world instead of in You. And so, Father, we ask that You would turn us to make and make our souls, our minds, our bodies, our wills, our affections that which always rejoice in You. And make us to be a people who are righteous and holy as Christ Your Son is righteous and holy. And this we plead, knowing that You will do so because that's what You've promised. And so sanctify Your people. And we pray that the Gospel would go forth from here unto all nations, that men and women and children of all nations would turn in faith to Christ Your Son, even here. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.